nothing but Star Wars. Give me those Star Wars. Don't let them end. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast. This is a Star Wars episode, and it's the first Star Wars episode that will come out on its new time, Friday nights. We have shifted some things around to have some spacing with the shows. The Star Wars show will now come out Friday nights. The main show with me and Jason will be coming out on Sunday. And then we have the X-Men podcast on Tuesday. And on Wednesday, we have the midweek show. So all of that. Now, I'll put the schedule in the show notes as well. But here for the first Star Wars episode on Friday night, we had a bit of a scheduling snafu this week and me and matt could not record our star wars podcast but i wanted to have something on the feed for the first friday night so i thought it'd be cool to do something that will be setting up a patreon show and we'll get to that in just a moment because before we do any of that let me remind you to go over to twitter at ws marvel comics follow us we'll follow you back Go to our website, weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com, so you can get reviews, read reviews of that week's Marvel Comics, and then go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weirdscience, to help us out for everything we do here on this feed, but also get a lot of Patreon-only exclusive, unique shows. One of the things that we always push is our weekly spotlight, two books picked by the badass levels of the Patreon. Those are the two highest levels, and they ended up picking Iron Cat number two, and Captain America, symbol of truth number three. Me and Jason already have talked about that. That's already up on the feed. You can go and listen to that right now. Some other things that we end up doing, me and Matt did get together this week and talk Infinity Gauntlet number three as we go through that in our Crisis Power Hour show, a comic book podcast that's based on big events and crises and things like that. But back to the Star Wars stuff. What I'm going to end up doing from this point out On the Patreon, I'm going to have a a twice-a-month Star Wars Reading Club podcast that's going to go through, or at least start, with the Marvel Comics Star Wars stuff back in 1977, the original stuff. I will be starting with issue number seven, which I'll talk about in just a moment, but it's something where if you want to get involved, if you want to read along and listen to the podcast after this episode, you'll have to go to the Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science. If you just want to listen to this and have a good old time, a story about Han Solo and Chewbacca, that'd be awesome, too. Maybe you could rate and review the podcast wherever you listen to it and let everybody know that we're kind of cool and keen type of guys here. But with all of that, we're going to go into this. And as I said, this is going to be Star Wars number seven from 1977. Now, before we get into the issue, I wanted to talk very briefly about the way that Marvel ended up getting the Star Wars license. And nowadays, if you think back at it and think of how huge Star Wars was and is, you would think that Marvel was in a bidding war. Maybe they begged Lucasfilms to get the property, all that stuff. That was so far from the truth. What happened is Lucasfilm's publicity supervisor, Charles Lippincott, actually went to Stanley, kind of begged him, can you please do a tie-in comic for this movie that we have coming out, Star Wars? The thing was, this was in 1975. The movie's two years away. Stanley laughed at them and said he's not signing for anything that he hasn't seen, let alone something that's coming out two years from now. Plus, movie tie-in comics didn't make much money. What are we to benefit from this? And kind of sent Charles Lippincott packing. Said, you know, get out of here. I don't want to hear what you're saying. 
The thing is, Roy Thomas ended up hearing about this and actually had heard some things about Star Wars. And he went to Stan and said, come on, let's have a second meeting. Let me be involved. And also, I would love to edit this Star Wars adaptation comic. But they end up having this meeting. Stan's still not impressed and ends up working out a deal of you don't get any royalties at all unless this book sells over 100,000 copies. If that happens, then your royalties kick in. But other than that, we're going to make all the money. You get nothing because he thought it was going to be a flop. The thing is, it wasn't a flop. And we all know Star Wars, huge. And in that, you have Jim Shooter, who at the time said, if it wasn't for the Star Wars comics, Marvel would have been screwed. In 1977 and 78, Marvel really was hurting. They were really hurting financially. They needed something. And little did they know that this tie-in comic would be the thing that saved them in those two years and let them keep going. And Jim Shooter says Star Wars and Roy Thomas can be thanked for having Marvel get through those years. So it was pretty big. It did start with that six-issue tie-in comic. It's a pretty accurate adaptation. It was written off of the script. So it was Roy Thomas pretty much going tit for tat with the movie. There's not that much different to it. So it would be kind of weird or silly to go through that here. I'd rather start with issue seven, where it is a Han Solo and Chewbacca story. Takes place right after New Hope and actually is the kickoff to what would be the expanded universe. You end up having new characters, new adventures and things like that. And when I was a kid, I did end up seeing one of my friends had the Star Wars comics. I didn't read them huge star wars fan but i didn't really read comics but i used to like to look at the covers some of the covers are wild they're they're crazy and that's what i like about this marvel star wars comic is it still has the star wars feel but you end up doing things that would never happen in the movies would never ever be adapted to anything like that but it's fun and it's cool and that's kind of why and that is the charm of it all so we're going to start and it, it starts right away pretty much with issue number seven, which we're going to get to right now. Okay, Star Wars number seven, a story called New Planets, New Perils, came out on October 11th, 1977, co-written by Roy Thomas and Howard Chaikin, pencils by Howard Chaikin, inks by Frank Springer, letters by Joe Rosen, colors by Carl Gafford. And on the cover, it's a cool cover, you have Han down on one knee, blasting somebody and yelling to Chewie, who's already beat up or maybe killed, an alien saying, grab a laser gun, Chewy. They got to surround it. You do see, in fact, there is a guy creeping up behind and on the wall right next to him, kind of a blown out wall that seems to be a gate to outer space. It says one dead or alive on Solo and Chewbacca, the Wookiee reward. So what is going to go on here? Well, we're going to see, obviously. And this picks up right after the end of New Hope. And that makes sense. You ended up having the first six issues. We're the New Hope adaptation. Now we're hitting Expanded Universe where Han and Chewbacca have already loaded up all the money again. They're going to get out of there. That ceremony's done. It'd be funny if he was still wearing the medal just to make Chewbacca jealous. But he ends up saying to Luke, hey, we're going to get going. Nice knowing you and the princess, Luke. But we can kind of use you, Luke. And they, they kind of do the same thing. Han said this before. He said this to Luke before Luke went off to blow up the Death Star. He ends up saying, I still wish you would come with us. You're a heck of a star hopper. And they use that star hopper a lot in this. And it makes me giggle every time. 
because I think that sounds like a toilet on a spaceship. So I'm sure they go with the term head because of the thing, but I still think Starhopper would be pretty cool. But now Luke says, I can't go with you. I, I would love to, but I can't. And Leia even says with him, you know, Darth Vader ended up surviving the battle. He is going to go off and tell the rest of the Empire where we are. We got to get off of Yavin 4. We're going to have to find a new home for the rebel base. Now, we know now that they go off and find Hoth. But at that point, it's just, oh, we got to go find another base. It would be great. I wish that we could go with you if everything was great. We would. But no. And then Han kind of wink, wink. Maybe we'll run into each other again. On the side there, C-3PO and R2-D2 are there. R2-D2 does this, hmm, you know, when he's sad, that beep. And C-3PO, as annoying as ever, says, why don't you stop it? Stop your nonsense. And so you end up having Han and Chewie blast off. And you end up with them. Man, it would be cool to hang with them, right, Chewie? And Chewie's just yelling stuff. Chewie seems annoyed with Han the whole time here. But you end up having Han say, but, you know, we can't forget. We have a price on our head. We told Luke and Leia this. Why do they keep forgetting it? Oh, my. This price on our head. We got to go pay Jabba. And it's kind of a shame that in a galaxy far, far away, they don't have, say, PayPal or, or, you know, some cash apps where you could just or even just wire money. I mean, even if we go Western Union, go old school. But you can, I guess, wire money to Jabba the Hutt. And so and, and really, maybe Jabba wouldn't take that. Jabba needs cash there. He doesn't want anything tracking back to him but if you could have that it'd be so great han and chewy boom 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 they end up sending them i i think they'd call up jabba hey jabba what's your paypal account all right here you go there's your money we're clear we're free get that price off my head right now we're gone problem is i think that han's too old school probably doesn't trust banks anyway but i do think that jabaka probably isn't a guy that's good with the finances he ends up where he gets a hold of like a credit card and runs it up right away it's like my wife and so I think that, like me, you know, I, I'm pretty good with my finances. I've even been called cheap by people. Han can't even have a credit card. It's like, man, I can't have one myself at times because if I do, my wife will find it. Well, here, Chewbacca will find it. Now Han is not only life debt price on head, but now Chewbacca has run up 80 debts besides. Got to keep it away from Chewbacca. He's probably buying hair products all over the place. But you end up having Han saying, okay, this is great. We finally got the money. We can pay this off. This is what we keep hearing from Han, especially and Chewie, but they need to pay off this debt. Nothing could stop them, right? Now they have the money. There's no distraction. Nothing is going to end up getting the focus off of them going to Tatooine and paying Jabba the Hutt, except they run into a derelict spaceship that's just floating in space, and they decide maybe we can scrap some things and get a couple extra nickels. There's no reason to do this, guys. Just go. Maybe even set, like, okay, the coordinates here. Maybe we can come back to this. But what do they think? They think that this is going to be their cash cow. No, you have the money to pay. Go. And it's a trap. They end up going to this ship. They stop, and they go up near the ship, and they get attacked by a bunch of fighters, which is pretty cool. You can tell that it's a, a mercenary-type deal because. You have X-Wings, TIE Fighters, all sorts of different ships, all from different factions and things like that. And it attacks the Millennium Falcon. And there's too many of them. Han gets so mad because what then happens, and it looks like this ship, a like a Star Destroyer type ship that they stop. You know, I guess maybe that's a big deal. 
That's why they did stop. The problem is these other fighters get the Millennium Falcon closer, closer to the ship, and then the ship gets them in the tractor beam. Han is so mad that once again, he is in a tractor beam. And I do think that this would be something that pilots or smugglers, this would be something to laugh at somebody about. They'd call him, oh, there's tractor beam solo. And oh, come on, guys. And I think what Han says here is, I can end up taking getting in the tractor beam of the Death Star, but this, and I do think I can imagine the scene in a cantina where they're like, oh, there's Solo with those tractor beams. And Han would say, first off, the first one was the Death Star, and I thought it was a moon, right? I came out of, you know, light speed. I thought it was a moon. Plus, it was the Death Star. That's a big thing. And by the way, I don't know if you know this, but I helped blow up the Death Star. I ended up helping Luke. I got Darth Vader off his butt. And ended up, you know, helping him. And they're like, we never heard that. We all hear Luke. And then Han's mad. Oh, I'm going to get him. Uh, but here they get in this tractor beam and they get taken in. They get captured. So what's going to happen here? And who is it that captured him? We find out right away that it's the space pirate Crimson Jack and his crew. And you do include, again, a narration that says this is a ragtag motley crew of a deal. No Tommy Lee, but maybe Nikki Six. But you have one guy. I think he really is taking the term space pirate a little too far. This guy's got a cutlass. He's got a bandana wrapped around his head. The only thing that makes him not from like is he has a blaster. But still, one of the guys, though, and they even pointed out, he's just a stormtrooper. He's there with the stormtrooper outfit, the armor on. He's running around. And I would say that maybe that would give him some protection. But I don't know. I've seen those stormtroopers get taken down pretty easily. I-, I would maybe take the helmet off. Then again, you might get shot in the moneymaker. So he ends up, there's there's a stormtrooper there. Han and Chewie are caught by surprise. Oh, my God. And you end up having Crimson Jack, the leader, and his second in command, a gal called Jolie, who pretty much looks like she's from the French underground in World War II. She's got a beret on cocked to the side. Uh, they end up going to Han. And Chewie, they recognize each other as well. And so you have Crimson Jack say, all right, we're going to get all the stuff. What do you have here? We're going to get all your goods. We're going to kill you. In this, though, Jolie, she wants to just kill everybody. She wants to blast every person in the face. We find out a little later because these are recurring characters, which is kind of a cool thing. Like I said, this is the beginnings of what would be, you know, an expanded universe and things like that. Not that this is canon or whatnot. But it's still cool that you're expanding things. Jolie, you find out she don't like men and she wants to kill all of them, but then starts to get a little bit of a liking for the Han Solo because, you know, he's a scoundrel. But Crimson Jack says, no, Jolie, don't shoot him. We got to get the stuff. And I thought that this was going to be the play that Han, who I consider very smart, at least street smart and savvy, that he'd have some sort of play in where, okay, if we end up getting boarded by pirates if somebody tries to steal something from us you take our stuff what we'll do is we'll have and who knows what they have in money wise a billion credits what we'll do is we'll have this hundred thousand credits right over here we'll say that's all we have we give it to them and then we get the heck out of there and now you could assume that they're going to kill han and chewbacca anyway but they just give them all the money every bit pen they don't have a penny left they don't have two pennies to rub together they give everything to Crimson Jack. Here you go, Crimson Jack. Oh, my. And you end up then, Jolie says, can I kill them now after we get the money? 
And Crimson Jack says, no, 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 that's not what we do here. And it's the play here. There was a, a bit of a story, if you saw the movie Colors, there was a story in there that was told. But it's also the idea of when the mob, if you owe the mob money, they're not going to kill you because then you can't pay back the money. Crimson Jack goes with the idea that, no, 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 Hansel and Chewbacca here, it was very easy to take this money. It took a less than a page and a half for them to pretty much get in there and have them hand over the money. Say, we'll run in them later, and they're schmucks. We'll just steal from them again. Why get rid of this? Let them out there. Now, I would say that's kind of a short-sighted deal because some people do go for revenge, but he thinks that this is the idea. Leave them out there. And we'll never have to worry about anything. We'll just follow them around and get whatever they have. And they take off. They end up letting Chewbacca and Han Solo go and they take off. And I thought at this point you were going to have that play of, oh, man, Chewie, can you believe they didn't check that? Oh, man, we didn't even give them the money. No, no, no. They gave them all the money. They are screwed. They say Java is going to kill us. He's now really going to put a bounty on us. We have to lay low. We're going to have to go to the Outer Rim. We're going to have to get jobs. We're going to have to work for money to do this. I thought everything was fine. I wish that at one point they're like, why did we stop and get greedy? But they end up on the planet Aduba 3. So the plan here is to get a job, maybe get a place to stay, maybe get a drink or two, maybe meet the ladies. I don't know. Whatever their idea of what they're going to do to start off on this planet. But they end up heading into town. And when they get to town, there is a bit of a ruckus going on, bit of a riot, bit of a hateful bunch of people gathered around an insect alien who is pulling something behind them. Now, I'll tell you what this is exactly. What you have is an insect alien priest who is trying to take a board, and it's pull-up board, said that, a cyborg pilot to be buried on Spacer's Hill. This is where it seems that anybody who had anything to do with being in space, pilot, navigator, whatever, they can be buried on this special hill, Spacer's Hill. In the meantime, the actual spacers in town find out about this, and they're trying to stop it. They're hateful people. Oh, you Borg lover, go and love your Borg somewhere else. They're very against machines, especially monstrosity. That's part human, part machine. And they are trying to attack this guy to make sure that he doesn't actually bury this Borg. Now, Han and Chewie walk into this, and you would think maybe they're going to stop this because, you know, that's not right. There's hateful people. They don't really go that route. What happens is the people then fully out attack this insect alien priest, and then Han and Chewie get involved to make sure that this guy doesn't get killed. It's not a fair fight. He's being overwhelmed. And they do end up stopping it kind of for a, a bit, and you end up having this insect alien who Han calls Para, which means father in their language, and then in a nice little deal, Para ends up calling him Fee, which means son, and it's a cool way to show that Han kind of does know customs and languages and things going around, so when he recognizes this guy, he calls him father also because he's a priest, so you go with that name Para. Uh, but Paris says to them, hey, now you get to bury this board. Thanks a lot. I'm going to hand this over to you. And Han's like, that's not what we're here for. We, we're not involved. We don't really have any interest in burying this board. And then in almost like a funny sitcom-y way, 
you have Paris say, oh, well, because this bag of coins goes to whoever buries them. And that's where Han's like, yep, looks like we're burying them, Chewie. And they get it and they take the job. And so what happens is Para, the priest, he gives them the coins and goes away. Kind of a weird play. But Han gets on top of the bantha and says, all right, Chewie, let's just take this easy. You see, everybody who had attacked and yelled awful things before, they are gathered around. They're all on the street. They're all watching this. But Han says to Chewie, just take it casual. You know how Han says. And they're not going to attack us. They're just there. They're they're blowing off some steam. They're okay. It's funny because even after the big fight, Para, as Han gets him up, says, oh, don't blame these people. They aren't trying to hurt me. No, they were trying to kill you. And yeah, they're awful. But he is a priest. So he kind of played that. But Han, I think it's taken it too much to heart. And it's like, no, they're not going to hurt us, Chewie. They're fine. They won't attack us. They know better. Oh, my God. They're throwing rocks at us. They start throwing rocks at Chewie and Han. Han falls off the bantha and gets yanked, and the fight is on. And again, though, there isn't any lethal-type fighting going on here, and it seems as Han is really centering on that. If they're just there for a fight, a brawl, hey, we'll get involved. We've been in some scraps. They are better than them. They even saw it before when they first showed up. They, they're no match for him and Chewbacca. There are a lot of them, though, so you got to watch out. But nobody's blasting. Nobody's trying to stab you or anything until a guy is. And up until that point, Chewbacca, they say he is pulling his punches. He could straight up kill everybody here. But they say he punches people, and because he's pulling the punches, they get knocked down, but they get up. They're not even knocked out. So they are being overwhelmed. But until this one guy shows up, and there's always that one guy, and they even say that in the narration, there's always that one guy. Ooh, you know, you're having a fist fight and he shows up with a battle axe. He gets out the battle axe with his kind of octopus arms and he ends up he's going to kill Han. Han has no other choice. He says it a couple times and he blasts this guy. He kills him. Unfortunately for everybody, Chewbacca sees this. Uh, Bloodlust kicks in. I mean, he ends up and it says his Wookiee nature manifests itself in its usual manner. He goes berserk. He starts shooting everybody. Everybody is getting killed. It is pandemonium. And with that, suddenly, that insect priest showed up. And even the narration says nobody knows where he came from. He comes out, and the three of them are just blasting away and killing people. And you end up having a pretty cool little narration that describes the three of them. And it says, a Carillion-born mercenary has been everything from a smuggler to virtually a star pirate himself. It's cool, right? There's Han. Though Han in this, all of a sudden, it looks like he's wearing a helmet with goggles that he didn't have on before. It's a very odd look. And then it says of Chewbacca, a seven-foot anthropoid who hails from a world where violence is such an everyday occurrence that there are 15 separate words for it in the Wookiee vocabulary. And that's something that I always like. He ended up having that in Forrest Gump, the movie, and people might have heard where in Vietnam it rains so much, monsoons and things like that, that you actually have so many words for rain because there's the different types in the way to describe it. It's a pretty cool thing. And then it says, a warm-hearted priest of a species which does not even have a heart, as humans understand them, are now together, side by side, back to back, and they are blasting everybody until these awful, awful spacers run away. They all tail it away, 
and you end up having like the last bit is this insect para he ends up pretty much bashing a guy and yelling be gone defilers of the sacred way and then even says hey my religion says that if you sin you kind of get it back at you so that's that and let's go and you end up having them now go off to bury this board now the problem is during the battle the bantha got shot the bantha's dead so how are we going to get this heavy board body it's half machine of course, Chewbacca is going to have to carry it. And Chewbacca is not happy. He argues and complains through the rest of this. And Han just keeps saying, yeah, yeah, you said that before. But yeah, they have to go. And, and Chewbacca pretty much picks up in what is a cool deal. And this is what the Bantha was carrying behind it. It's a clear coffin that you end up with like a bubble around it that has the board in it. Maybe they should have covered that. And the spacers wouldn't have seen what was going on. I think that is because it is an open casket type of clear deal. That's what caused the trouble. Think ahead, Para. But they end up going and Chewbacca struggles and they do carry it to Spacers Hill where they end up performing the ritual. And this Borg ends up being able to have a proper burial for being a pilot. Afterwards, of course, Han says, I want to get my drink on. So Para directs him to where the cantina is. They probably could have found it anyway. But before they go, he does have to mention, because there's a weird play here. If you're really thinking this through, how are the spacers going to think of Han and Chewie when they come into this cantina right after killing half of them? You would think there's going to be problems. But Para again says, you know what? I don't think you'll be in trouble. Those spacers will respect you, knowing that you fought a fair fight. Like, I don't know that that's how it works, but we'll go with it. And it seems to be the case because they go into the bar. Now, besides that, though, Han really wants to try to make sure that they don't get attacked or killed. And he is pretty much buying round after round for the house. He's buying drinks for everyone. Everybody's excited. And then you have Han and Chewie looking at all the sexy ladies in the cantina and actually says yeah i could get used to this chewbacca i'm with you a lot of sexy ladies here and goes in almost like a captain kirk star trek little wink we already had the board but this is more of a thing here i think that he goes up to a blue lady alien and like hey how you doing maybe i can buy you a drink and she's like yeah but i'd rather go for a walk and we could tell each other about all the adventures each of us have had and Han has a funny little line where he says, yeah, I'll tell you, most of them will be true. <laughs> and they're going to go out maybe to knock boots. But they end up where Han says, wait a minute, I got to make sure Chewbacca is OK before I leave. Turns around. Chewbacca looks like he's on the dance floor dancing with two ladies, one which looks like a medieval princess and the other. I don't know, but they seem to be having fun. Chewbacca is laughing it up. They think he's hilarious. And yeah, you end up having Han say, well, I guess Chewbacca can handle himself. Turns around and his lady is gone. The blue lady's gone. And he's like, where'd she go? In the meantime, though, there's these three guys in robes standing there. Han says, hey, robe guys, you look like you want to say something to me. Get it, spit it out. I got to go find my date. And they're saying, oh, we have a proposition for you, off-worlder. I think it's something you might be comfortable with doing. Except if you don't mind dying. And it's this big dent, dent, dent. These guys look like they have like Hugh Hefner robes. The one guy, it's like his whole chest is exposed. 
holy moly. I guess they don't have a dress code in many cantinas in the Star Wars universe. But you end up where Han's like, oh, crap. Like, what's this all about? I do like money, but I don't like dying. So maybe they'll listen to the offer, see what it does have, and maybe go from there. Because it says, next issue, Trouble in Paradise. So we're going to find out what the offer is and go and continue with Chewbacca and Han Solo, which is cool. I love myself some Chewbacca and Han Solo, even though I've said it before on the podcast a lot. I am a Luke guy. And being a Luke guy, you kind of ended up as things went on, at least with my set of friends, you, you got less and less Luke guys and more Han guys. But I always like Luke. I think he's the best. So with all of that, I'd give this a solid 8 out of 10. It's fun. Some of the art gets a little wonky, but it's it's got that classic look. It really brings back a lot of nostalgia just reading it and, you know, that whole deal and how it plays. But it's neat to see these characters go off and do different things, different aliens, different situations and stuff like that, which we'll continue with. Because, as I said before, this is the start of the Star Wars Reading Club podcast. And so if you want to get involved with that from here on out, you just go over to our Patreon, patreon.com, slash weird science and sign up there. I believe it'll be one of the lower levels. You just see that, see what level's right for you. Maybe you want an even higher level because each level gets more and more stuff until the badass level, which we mention all the time, gets to even pick most of the things that we're doing. But yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed this, even if you don't plan on going to the Patreon. Thanks for listening on the regular feed here, and I hope that you enjoyed you know, a little bit of a peek into the Star Wars comics universe as it began at Marvel back in 1977. And this is something that is definitely on the app. If you have the Marvel app, it's there. That's where I read it. So yeah, check them all out. They're really fun, really like classic, like more of the sci-fi tropes that it seemed George Lucas kind of went away from at points, come back in this, but it's fun stuff. It's all fun. So we'll go from there. But thanks everybody again. And with that, remember, we changed the scheduling around a little. The main Marvel podcast will be this Sunday. Me and Jason talking. The big book is the Spider-Man Legacy number 900. But we also talked about Strange on that as well. And then back next week, we'll go with the full schedule. X-Men Tuesday, Wednesday, the midday, midweek show. Might even come out Thursday again. I'm going to figure that out. And then on Friday, Star Wars. And then main show Sunday. So I'll put that all in the show notes as well. And also there's a campsite bio in the show notes that you can check out to get all sorts of links to other things that we do, DC stuff, manga, all of that. But thanks, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this, and I'll talk to you later. You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution.